thanks for joining us, Karen. And apologies for that pause. I was desperately trying to work out who wrote that song, and I can't. I think it's Lit. But, oh, it is Lit. I'm on the money. Uh, you got any great festival hall memories? Unfortunately not. I think it's a little bit before my time. Oh, so. no, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Nothing like being made to fill your age. No, you haven't come in to talk about that crap. You've come in to talk about women's football. And um, must be exciting for you. Drafted by the Blues back last May. A uh, bit of a wait between then and getting the chance to actually show your stuff. And the countdown's been on for a long time, so the fact that it's so close is, um, yeah, the excitement's certainly building. What, uh, what are the major things you've been focusing on as it's got closer? I guess, you know, the fitness stuff's basically been done. A lot of it been about uh, drills and set plays and tactics. and Yeah, you're right. Leading into Christmas, the fitness, um, the running and all those sorts of things, was, it was quite a broad um, I suppose, yeah, focus for the group. Um, and since Christmas, the focus has certainly been narrowed into, as you said, uh, tactics and, and game style. So, yeah, it's been very exciting. Well, one of the most fascinating things with the women's comp has been seeing the transition of elite athletes in other sports into the code. Tell us about what prompted your switch from what was, well, I think, almost a 10-year career in the WNBL. For me, I think I was down at the first game, um, you know, last year, and I was just completely in awe of of what female sport, um, the potential that it had, and the showcase of of what was around one last year versus you know Carlton versus Collingwood was, um, yeah, look, it's hard to put into words. And I was sitting in the stands, so I can't imagine what it's going to be like actually out on the ground. And um, for me. Uh, yeah, you're right. I had a 10-year basketball career, and I loved every minute of it. The challenge um, that presented it, and the opportunity that presented itself to me, uh, was a little bit too good to be true. So I grabbed mm. it with both hands and ran. Do you think people look back on that Collingwood Carlton game last year, and of course, you know, 25,000 and people locked out? Do you think that will, in time, be being seen as a real? line in the sand moment for Australian women's sport? I think it will. Um, and I think what has progressed since then, um, not only in AFL footy, but, um, you know, in other sports, the big bash and basketball and, and soccer, you know, to name a few, I think that the whole scale of female um, sport has just grown and it's going to continue to grow. And I think you're right, that that first moment, um, you know, anyone I talk to about footy just always says, oh, God, you know, I was watching on TV or I was there and couldn't believe it. I got locked out. And, yeah. um, you know, one of the... the best things that I saw there, I was walking around the back um, at one point and there was a group of young males who were holding up the fence, letting their mates crawl in. And at that point in time, I just went, you know, wow, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was a real wine in the sand moment. Was there a moment too when you thought, well, gee, I've been playing basketball at the elite level for so long, we didn't get that sort of, you know, mass audience interested? Um, yeah, it's probably not something that I've thought about too much. Um, and particularly in Australia, we certainly don't draw those sorts of crowds. But um, I've been fortunate to play over in Europe and um, they certainly attract enormous numbers to their games where, um, you know, the hysteria certainly follows female sport over there. And I think that with the way that the sport's going in Australia, that it will flow on into other sports as well. And you will get that, uh, yeah, that, I suppose that hysteria that, that came with that first game. Why do you think historically it's been such a battle for women's sport in this country? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I, I don't know, to be honest. I think that um, probably the, the media um, and the fanfare and, and those sorts of things um, that has come with male sport just... 
Um, you know, it hasn't transitioned across, and I, I don't know. I don't really know why that is, but I think that now that um, female sport is gaining such attention, um, not only in in Australia nationally but also internationally, I think um, from now on, you know, we won't be answering those sorts of questions in the, in the future, which is good. There's always been a bit of a chicken and the egg thing about that argument. I reckon having worked on a newspaper for a long time, you know, we'd regularly get emails from people saying, "Why don't you devote more space to women's sport?" and you know, it was always a, a vexed question and, and part of me would say, well, you know, because the interest is for primarily for male sport, but then if, if you're not out there getting that sort of exposure in the first place, how do you ever create that interest? And it's, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, have you ever thought about how the media uh, per se go about redressing that imbalance? I mean, because it's hard to, to do without actually cutting back on your coverage of other sports. Yeah, it is. And I think the other thing is the audience demand for it as well. If, if they're only interested in male sports and things like that, then, of course, the media is going to be full of, of only, you know, um, male you know, sports and achievements and results and things like that. But I think at the moment, the shift that I'm seeing is that the audience and the, the public um, and the fans in particular want to see the female um, results and, um, you know, know the stories of the players and the backgrounds and things like that. So, um, yeah, I'm a little bit like you. I don't don't really know why or, or how, um, you know, it has been the way it has. But going forward, I think there's going to be a real shift. Tell us about um, your basketball career. I mean, it's hard to encapsulate because it's been quite long, but just initially how you got into the sport, even at that stage, did you have an, <clears throat> pardon me, did you have an interest in football and other sports and why did you gravitate uh, initially to basketball? Yeah, I certainly had an interest in just about every sport growing up. Um, my passion was certainly driven um, and followed by my dad um, and whatever he was doing, I was doing. And um, we were certainly interested in footy from a very young age. We went to a lot of the games. I'm from Bendigo, so we used to travel down as a family. And I think the reason I picked basketball was that there wasn't too many other options at the time. Um, mm. You know, I didn't have the option to play footy and I tried my hand a little bit at athletics and netball and a few other things and um, showed some potential in basketball quite early. And, and yeah, as I said, the um, the pathway was there to go on and play elite elite basketball and that's what I did. Who did you barrack for in the footy? Carlton. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, Bendigo is a massive Carlton area. Was that how your family sort of came to be Carlton fans? Or? Yeah, I think so. There's a couple of generations of Carlton supporters, so um, I didn't really have much choice. Um, and, yeah, I'm very thankful <laughs> that I've ended up there. How often did you go down to Melbourne to see the games? Yeah, when we were younger um, and I wasn't playing sport on the weekend myself, we were there most weekends when they were playing in Melbourne. Um, and then, obviously, as my sport took over, I was, uh, you know, saw less and less, but definitely um, yeah, kept an eye on it and very passionate supporters of our family. So. Now, I'm going to be a bit cruel here. You're, you're only, what, 25, aren't you? So I'm tipping you probably missed out in the glory <laughs> days and had a fair bit of pain to put up with when you came down yeah, to watch. Yeah, that's true. I haven't seen a lot of success there, so I'm, I'm hanging on the edge waiting for, for both teams to do really well. But does that make the dream sort of even more, um, I don't know, golden tinged almost because you're actually doing this for the club you grew up? following? Yeah, um, absolutely. One of my f most fondest memories of, of growing up was um, my mum and dad took myself and my sister to Etihad or a Colonial Stadium, it probably was back then, and yeah. we sat about three rows from the top and had thermoses with soup and, you know, we were watching Carlton and Geelong and, um, you know, just the passion that the supporters have for the club and, you know, my family included in that. Um, yep. Just the opportunity. And I suppose when you asked the question before about, you know, what the decision was to come and play footy versus basketball and those sort of things really ring true for me. The, um, you know, 
the joy that I got as a kid growing up watching Carlton and my family um, still has is that was a big part of why I chose to to follow this path. Uh, brothers and sisters? Just one sister. Okay. So did you guys kick the footy or was it sort of something you didn't think about? No, we definitely did. Yeah. Um, my sister's not as interested in sport as what I am, but yeah. certainly dad, I used to drive him nuts when he was coming home, uh, yeah, wanting to kick the footy and had cousins and things growing up. Um, I was always one of those girls that when we were at school kicking the, the ball with the boys and yeah, certainly followed uh, followed that dream. So how how realistic was it for a girl when you were at school to be playing football? I mean, obviously there was no elite competition to gravitate to, but did girls think about playing footy or, or it was more like, no, we need to play netball or basketball? Or... Yeah, oh, like it wasn't even an option for me. Um, it was the, the mentality, I think, was the boys play the footy and the girls play netball or yeah. you know, basketball or whatever else. So growing up, I... Um, yeah, didn't even register the the thought of playing footy. I mean, as I said, I played it at school, and when the opportunity to play girls' footy um, at high school, you know, in carnivals and things like that came along, um, I, I certainly did those. But to play in a regular competition wasn't even on the radar. So you mentioned the uh, pivotal moment for you going to that Collingwood Carlton game. Uh, tell us what the steps from that moment were. Um, you know, in terms of identifying yourself as a potential recruit, and then how Carlton were drawn to you. How did that all? happen um it was it was a little bit funny story so i went to that game um i was down there supporting a number of bendigo players who were in both teams um and i think that was the moment for me where i said okay i I think i want to have a crack at this um but it wasn't until i was still playing basketball at the time um and a few of my friends who were um playing footy as well kind of started this hashtag on twitter and facebook and trying to almost enticed me to come to training and, and a few things. What was uh, the hashtag? Uh, it was because I wore number six for basketball, yeah. and so it was number six for Thunder or you know, something along those lines, yeah, which yeah. is the, the local Bendigo team. Um, and initially I kind of thought, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. I've you know invested so much in my basketball career, and um, I'd you know made it to the elite level there, and am I willing to give that all up and, and have a crack at something that I don't even know if I can do? Um but that also presented a challenge to me, which I, I thrive on. So I went along to the Bendigo Thunder training, um, yep. their pre-season. Um, I actually had the intention of being the trainer for them for the year, not actually oh, yeah. being a player. And I, I looked at them running around and kicking the ball, and they were just like they were having so much fun. I thought, nah, let's, let's have a crack. So <laughs> um, I, I got talked into going down to um, a, there's an, a, like a, a code hopping, for whatever better word, um, trial day at Maribyrnong and – Again, I thought, oh, the night before, do I really want to do this? And yeah. um, I ended up going down and I walked in and look, Bergs from Carlton shook my hand the minute I walked in the door. He'd, he'd done some research and put some calls in to try and find out a little bit about me. And uh, we went through some fitness testing on the day and I walked out of there with a contract. So wow. it all happened very quickly and yeah. I still pinch myself at the opportunity that I got presented with. Tell us about that um, camp at Maribyrnong and the different sorts of uh, athletes and what sort of sports they were representing. Like how many people were there? How many different sports? Yeah, there was a lot of interest in the day and so they were quite selective in who they um, invited to the camp. I think yeah. there was over 300 applicants to go um, and I think there might have been about 45 that ended up getting um, an invite. Yeah. They were from everywhere, athletes. There was a wrestler. A really? Weight, yeah, they were from everywhere. Weightlifting. <laughs> there was actually a couple of other basketballers there who I'd um, either played with in the past or played against. Um, netballer. There was just everyone. Um, yeah. We got put through a series of, as I said, fitness testing. So there was no footy involved at the beginning. It was, um, you know, sprint, jump, agility, um, and an endurance test. Uh, and then what they did, they just let us out on the oval and 
just had a kick, um, you know, one-to-one. So, yeah, from that day, uh, as I said, there was obviously all the AFL clubs uh, from Victoria were represented and they had all the recruiting um, staff and a few players as well that were there. So, um, yeah, it was a crazy day. <laughs> you're, you're probably too modest to say this, but didn't you, like, smash a lot of the testing they did? You were pretty impressive, weren't you? Uh, I did okay in a few of them. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> was it a good chance to sort of compare yourself against um, – girls and women from other sports and see like who's who's fitter who's stronger yeah it was um like obviously the the girls that came from athletics their 20 meter sprint times were phenomenal um some of the power lifting sort of um yeah based athletes their vertical jumps were yeah um i think the biggest thing that i noticed at the day was that those who did excel in one perhaps didn't excel in another so i think um the, the ones who were consistent across all, all of the testing probably were the ones that the afl recruiters went for on 1116 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Mornings with Rowan Connolly. For Silver Top Taxis. Avoid surcharges and skip the queues. Download the Silver Top Taxi app now and Virtue Gully Volkswagen's massive hail sale with all offers considered. Thanks for joining us here on Mornings. Coming up to 28 past 10, uh, Karen Harrington, a soon-to-be star for the Carlton AFLW team, has joined us in the studio. And we're talking all things women's football, women's sport, just shooting the breeze, really. Get on the line if you want to uh, phone in with a question, 9429-1116, or you can SMS 0433981116. I did uh, mention earlier, Festival Hall, sadly, may be uh, facing the axe and being cleared for a new apartment complex and asking people to share their memories of Festival Hall. Interestingly, they all seem to be music memories, so uh, obviously no one my, my age remembers the World Championship Wrestling with Jack Little, but some good memories there. Someone talking about seeing Magazine, XTC and Ice House. Uh, Festival Hall memories, Megadeth, The Rollins Band, Helmet and The Beastie Boys. Gee, I think I was at that gig, actually, now I mention it. Porter's Head, The Roots, Iggy Pop, Morrissey, The Beastie Boys again. And uh, someone saying, aren't we lucky we're getting more apartments, just like the development that replaced the Metro slash Palace, making a real difference to our community and city's culture. Well, they do give people a place to live, but yeah, the uh, demolition of any music, live music venue is a worry, I reckon. But that's not why Karen's in here. She's in here to talk sport. And um, one interesting SMS, uh, Karen, from Glenn, who says, what's Karen's father's name? If it's Carl and he's a member at Bendigo Golf Club, he's an absolute legend of a bloke. Tells a great story. If it's not, well, Carl's still a legend, says Glenn. Is that your dad? Not Carl, no, not unfortunately. So oh, Dad's okay. still a legend, though. But okay, big family, is yeah, it? Um, it is a big family. I don't know if there's a Carl in it, but okay. if he's a legend, we'll take him. Okay, now we're getting some wrestling ones now through. Mari, Mario Milano. I mean, that was half the thing with the wrestling, the names of the wrestlers, you know, Killer Carl Cox, Skull Murphy. He was a fearsome-looking dude. So, Karen, tell us about, um, you know, I mean, WNBL is a late level, obviously. Tell us, give us an idea of facilities, though, in that competition compared to what you now got uh, at Icon Park. Um, where I've been playing, in, I've played in Bendigo, yep. um, Adelaide, Melbourne, Canberra. Um, the Institute is probably, uh, which is based in Canberra, is probably one of the best facilities in the world. Yeah. Um, and um, and I, I suppose the f- facilities in Bendigo, which I've been, uh, spent most of my time growing up in, 
they're phenomenal. Yeah, um, right. We're really lucky um, in regional Victoria that we do have great facilities for basketball, and um, it's a multi-purpose stadium. So basketball not only plays there, um, but there's netball and, and indoor soccer and things like that as well. And there's a huge new redevelopment, just three new courts and brand new show court and things like that. So yeah, the, the facilities are fantastic. Um, what the I suppose the advantage of Icon Park is is that we've got not only the, um, the the women's area with our own gym and locker rooms and all those sorts of things, but it's all all in one. You know, the, the grounds there, um, all of our facilities, lecture theatres and everything, it's just all in one spot, whereas um, that's not the case in, in basketball. You've got separate gyms and all those sorts of things. So. so I guess it's less of a culture shock for you than maybe some of the girls who are coming from, you know, local suburban football clubs. And one slightly indulgent example, teammate of yours, Tilly Lucas-Rod, my daughter played with Tilly at East Melbourne Knights and the first, and Tilly was a star even then, but the first year they played, they didn't even have dressing rooms. They used to get changed just on the grass, basically. So for someone like that, I look at what Tilly has to work with now and I think, oh, wow, you know, you've worked hard for it. You really deserve the best. Do you get a lot of pleasure out of seeing that, how, I guess, younger um, players that you play with react to having those quality facilities? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that we don't take uh, for granted. My first, um, I played half a season with, Diamond Creek in the VFL and I went out to their home ground and it's quite a small ground and a wonderful club out at Diamond Creek and, and they've got a, a cricket pitch, a synthetic cricket pitch that runs down the middle of the ground so we're playing you know, a VFL standard with a lot of AFLW players in the game and, and we're basically avoiding the centre of the yeah. ground because there's a, a synthetic pitch you know, down the middle so um, yeah, we're very spoilt when we get to Icon and um, and the, the grounds that we're able to play on um, in comparison to what the I suppose the community clubs get to play, play on. What about the um mixture of the women on the Carlton list with the men, the male players. I I, I suspect there is a bit of cynicism about AFLW, I think, from non-believers, and they probably look at that and they think, oh, you know, it's all tokenism. I'm sure the men don't actually interact with the women players much. Is that... Is that true? Do you, or is it that window dressing, or how often do you sort of have something to do with the the Mark Murphys and players of that ilk? Yeah, when we've got club functions and things like that, um, we had a members' night the other night where all of the new players from both the male and the female team were introduced to um, a lot of the members, and both Mark Murphy and, and um, Lauren Arnell were, were there, mm. um, and we had a lot of interaction at, at those sort of things. Day to day, not so much, um, and I think the main reason for that is that the boys are there um, during you know office hours, I suppose, from you know that nine to five. Whereas um, at the moment the females are training after hours, so we kind of cross out. But um, I think the best thing that Carlton and the, the most well, the thing that's impressed me the most is that from the management and the highest level down, um, there's a real I suppose uniform message, and um, you know we have the same resources available to us as what the boys do, and there's no real separate. That's the girls team and that's what you know that's their staff and and they're over there in their own area and you know separate it from the men's it's not like that at all it's um yeah very um i suppose you're united and and yeah i'm really that's as i said that's the thing that's impressed me the most yeah well i mean it's a it's a code that's in its infancy obviously as successful as it's been and the season by an F- definition tends to be shorter where does this leave you with your basketball i mean is that on the back burner or finished or can you is there any chance you could combine the two at an elite level or I think that there would be um, and I certainly had that option available to me initially both at the Carlton Footy Club and also the Bendigo Spirit who I'd most recently played for were really supportive of being able to um, combine both and um, yeah have, have a crack at, at playing both um, for me and it, and it was my decision um, in the end i 
I felt that if I was committed to both the basketball season and also the footy season, that I'd be splitting my time and, yeah. and spreading myself too thin. Um, and I am thankful for that decision that I made at the time because knowing what I know now, going through that preseason, the training is just completely different. Um, you know, the, the basketball season was shortened as well, so they've just finished, um, and it was a very intense season for them. So they played something like 21 games in uh, 12 weeks or something like that. So the demand on your body um, going through that season and then being able to roll through and give give myself the best opportunity um, to succeed in AFLW, I just thought that if I was playing both, it just that wouldn't have been the case. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it's on the back burner and the option's still there to go back if that's something that I want to do. Um, at the moment, I'm certainly focused on my footy and, and yeah, Getting uh, getting a game round one. Getting a kick. Getting a kick, yeah. <laughs> how is, in a nuts and bolts sense, how is the training different? I'd imagine there's probably a fair bit more strength work in football, physical training or, or not? No, not necessarily. Um, the gym and strength and conditioning program um, is pretty similar. Um, the biggest thing that I've noticed is the running capacity that is required yeah. in footy compared to basketball. Um, I get that question a lot and I think the best way to answer it is that in basketball um, – you know, a shot clock goes for 24 seconds. So you might be six seconds on, six seconds off, six seconds, and those sort of repeat efforts. Whereas in footy, it can be up to, you know, 30 seconds where you're gut busting running, then you get tackled, then you've got to get up, and then you've got to go and bump someone, and you might not even touch the footy. Um, and so for me, what I had to do was to be able to increase that running distance um, and my ability to run, you know, upwards of 10K a game and still be able to make good decisions and. Yeah, as I said, get a kick. Are you confident you've done that? I mean, it hasn't really been put to the test yet. Uh, it did get put to the test on the weekend. We had a practice match so, against yeah. the Dogs. Oh, um, yeah, how'd that go? Yeah, good. Uh, it was a really good hit out. They're a very quality uh, opposition, and yeah. they're going to be um, certainly right up there come the end of the AFLW season. Um, it was really good for us. It gave us a chance to work on, or sorry, I suppose execute the things that we've been working on all pre-season and not train against our teammates, which was nice as well. And um, I think, the, I suppose, the best thing for us is that it gave us improvement points to work on for the next week and a half. Do you feel like your head would be more uh, gets more cluttered with set plays and tactics and stuff in a basketball game or a football game? Yeah, definitely basketball. Um, yeah, I would have I, thought so. I think that uh, basketball is a point guard, so my role in, in that was set up, make sure everyone's in the right spot. So for me, I'm a really structure-orientated uh, person, and yeah. I've really tried to take that into footy as well. Is that one of the attractions of footy, though? The fact that you can, um, it's a bit of a wanky phrase, but free form a bit more? Because yeah. it's, a, you know, it, it's, I'd imagine there's not many team sports where there's less scope for set plays because the field's so big, there's so many players, there's so much unpredictable which can happen. Is that an attraction for someone who's had that structure? Um, I don't know if it's an attraction. Um, certainly in basketball, there's a lot more interaction with the coaching staff. So again, as a point guard, you know, it might be three or four times a quarter, you know, within a 10 minute block where I'd be going over to the sideline discussing, you know, back and forth between the coaching staff and what the players are seeing on the court. So there's a lot more um, instruction and, and yeah, you're right with the set plays and things like there's a call every, every play. Whereas in footy, there's um, a huge opportunity just to you know, see ball, get ball, make yeah. it up on the spot and um, and just, you know, hope, hope that it comes off. Instinct, yeah, exactly right. So, yeah, I think um, 
I think the footy, what I like about it at the moment is that it's simplified. Yeah. Um, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, you can have all these wonderful plays and ideas, but at the end of the day, you win the ball, put it through the big sticks. Yeah, it's as simple as that. Yeah, it's pretty important fundamental, it's really, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, fascinating chat. And I, I want to pursue that just about where you think the uh, women's version of the game is headed in terms of how it looks and the, the fundamentals that are going to be most important to that. We're being joined here at the moment by Karen Harrington. Sixteen SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Mornings with Rowan Connolly. For Silver Top Taxis. Avoid surcharges and skip the queues. Download the Silver Top Taxi app now and Ferntree Gully Volkswagen's massive hail sale with all offers considered. 16 minutes to 11 here on SEN Mornings. Bit of Kaiser Chiefs there for you. Na, 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 na. Yeah, that is the name of the song. Some uh, great SMSs coming through. We're joined in the studio by Karen Harrington, who'll be playing for Carlton in the AFLW this year after a long and very successful career in women's basketball. I'll just zip through a few of these SMSs, Karen. Um, one of them asking, how did you play on the weekend and in what position? Um, practice match, so everyone got thrown around a little bit. I started in the back line, moved my way into the midfield. Yep. Um, we went all right. We got a, got a win, so yeah. we were happy with that. But um, as always in practice matches, the result is a little bit irrelevant. Um, it was more about focusing on what we'd been working on during the preseason and implementing that and, and learning from it. So, Did you run up to the stats, guys, and see how many possessions you had? <laughs> no, not quite. Uh, what I was interested in was the GPS numbers more oh, so yeah. than anything else. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was good. It was good feedback. So what, what do, do you clock? In that game in yeah. particular, uh, I think we ran somewhere close to about five and a half K. So we ran with 27 in the game. So there was a yep. lot of time spent on the bench, and, yeah. um, which was good because it was it enabled feedback from the coaching staff to come down through the box um, and then you know onto the bench and then go out and try and implement what, what they were asking us to do. So it was a good opportunity. Had you done GPS stuff on the basketball court? Not to the same extent. So mm. what they are more interested in is acceleration, deceleration, um, rather than total kilometres and things like that, which is what footy uh, really look at and high-speed running and things like that. So, no, certainly not to the same extent. Off the top of your head, what do you think you would you would cover on the court? Oh, good question. Uh, I would say probably somewhere close to maybe 5 or 6K. I yeah. Reckon. Yeah, but as I said, that stop-start that you get with basketball, you don't get with footy, so... It's just it's completely different. Yeah. Well, how is it harder or easier? Stop, stop, start, or not stop, start? Um, I'll let you know after we've played the first game. These are, these are clearly the questions of someone that has no fitness whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I've, I had no concept of this, so I'm just I'm really curious. Yeah, I think the what I suppose in basketball you can control more so than what you can control in footy is the tempo of the game. So yeah. particularly in the position that I was in, if I knew that either I was uh, you know starting to get gassed or if one of my teammates was that we could really slow slow the ball down. Yeah. Alternatively, if you knew that the other team was doing it, then you can speed the game up. So um, in footy, there's, as you said before, a lot more of the ball in dispute and a thing, yeah. things like that. So it's a bit harder to control, but I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I'll let you know. Another one off the SMS. Have you been working on your sledging? <laughs> no, I haven't, actually. Is there uh, sledging on the basketball court? There is a little bit. Yeah. You have to... What is it? Like, you know, in footy, the age old one in footy is chewing on your boot. Yeah. What's uh, What do you say when someone's taking a free throw? No zing on the ring? No, or? they won't let you talk while... Oh, really? No, the umpires are pretty strict on That's that. That's a technical foul yeah, or something, Yeah, I mean, you can stand behind them and give them a little cheeky spray if you need to, <laughs> but they, 
yeah, that you'll be pulled up pretty quick, I reckon. Now, um, Stephen Whittlesey asking, uh, what is the percentage of males, uh, or females that attend AFLW games? So like that Collingwood Carlton game last mm. year, uh, I only watched that on TV. What, what was the, did you notice what the breakup was? Oh, geez, I, I'd be pretty close to 50-50. Yeah. I, I, don't, I certainly didn't think that there was... Um, yeah, one more than the other. And you, you mentioned this before, but I, I have heard since that moment a lot of female athletes talk about that. I think Susan Alberti, you know, the patron of women's football, basically. I mean, I think she's talked about too. Just the concept of young men or boys um, sort of clamouring over an autograph from a, a female athlete. I mean, that it sounds ridiculous that we're saying that that's a great thing in the 21st century because it should be natural, but it is a major step forward, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit. Um, I think that when you compare other female athletes in other sports, so you know, I'm sure that Serena Williams and, and you know, when we're talking about tennis and things like that, they get the same It's attention. the same for her, yeah. yeah. I think um, you're right in that because AFL footy in, for women is so new, um, I suppose you know the novelty and those sorts of things is was was enormous last year, and um, I think that that's been converted into now actually passionate followers, and um, it's it's great that you know young guys and and boys are so interested in in women's footy as well, and I think the fact that. Um, those who are already barracking for the existing clubs. So, you know, the supporter base for Carlton and Collingwood and, you know, going forward, Richmond and, and all those other clubs, the supporter base is already there. So when yeah. you align a team of females with them, they're automatically, you know, going to barrack for them and, and support them. And I think that's a wonderful thing. And AFL is a sport that traditionally has had a very large uh, percentage of female attendees compared to other uh, other football codes throughout the world. So you're starting from a pretty strong base anyway, aren't you? Yeah, we are. And I think that the AFL has done a great job in including um, and making such an emphasis on having females involved in, in footy clubs as well. And that's not just at AFL level. That's, you know, right through to community levels. And um, and I think that stems through. And, and as I said, the fact that now that we've got the female team representing the club and, you know, other clubs as well um, is just going to, you know, push that forward. And we're going to get, and we already have in a way, get those... Uh, readily identifiable role models for the sport. Now, one of the, perhaps the biggest in that first season was Erin Phillips. Um, and from your original sport as well, is she a bit of a role model for you? Or are you, I, that might sound a bit patronising, are you too experienced to have a role model like that? No, look, growing up, Erin um, was certainly one of my role models with basketball. The success that she had, um, I certainly tried to emulate in, in my own basketball career. And, um, you know, one of the things that you know has naturally occurred is the comparison between us, and I, I certainly didn't come into AFL footy trying to be you know the next Aaron Phillips. Um, but what Aaron was able to achieve last year gave me great confidence, knowing that someone from the basketball background and you know we followed similar paths up till now um, was able to have so much success and make that transition into the AFL. So um, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to catching up with her and you know sharing stories and. Having a chat. Gee, she took a pounding. There was one. I'm trying to remember. There was one game at Thebbin Oval where they were playing. Might have been Brisbane, but she got an absolute hammering physically. I wonder if you looked at that and thought, "Oh no, is that going to be my lot?" You know. <laughs> oh, let's hope not. <laughs> oh, look, Erin's just such a strong um, athlete and person, and yeah, look. Uh, you, you don't play footy thinking that you're not going to cop knocks and things like that. So, yeah, I, I don't know the incident you're talking about, but... Um, oh, there were about five. <laughs> I'm, sure she, I'm sure she jumped up from it and she did. Goal, so. She did. What, what do you think are the um, basketball skills that transition particularly well to a football environment? Because we've seen, you know, a lot of male players. I mean, Scott Pendlebury mm. comes to mind. I mean, they're, 
you can see the basketball sometimes in the way they play. What yeah. are they specifically, do you think? Uh, for me, I think it's that peripheral vision and um, working in close and tight. In, in a basketball, I was actually, again, being a point guard is quite a small position. So you've got yeah. to be able to navigate your way through bigger bodies and traffic and um, you know be able to deliver the ball. And I've hoped that that's been able to transition into footy, being, um, you know, hopefully working into the midfield and being in tight. Um, I think that that's probably the biggest thing for me that's that's... Yeah, shown through. You mentioned the camp at Maribyrnong and the different ranges of sport. Did the wrestler end up getting a Guernsey or did she miss the cut? I don't know, actually. I didn't follow too closely. I was a right. bit, bit concerned about what was going on yeah. with myself. But um, I, don't, I don't know. I'll have to I'll – I'll get back to you. Well, maybe you, you might bump into her on the field and yeah. get tackled and realise, oh, that's, yeah, that's a wrestler. <laughs> on 11.16 SEN, Melbourne's home of sport. Mornings with Rowan Connolly. The Silver Top Taxis. Avoid surcharges and skip the queues. Download the Silver Top Taxi app now and Fertry Gully Izuzu Ute's massive hail sale with all offers considered. Just a tick before 11 a.m. here on SEN Mornings. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned too because after the news, we've got uh, Denver Broncos star Adam Gossis coming in to join us for a chat about all things NFL and the transition of an Australian. AFL player, Australian football player, into the big NFL picture. An amazing story. So stay tuned for that. But this has been an amazing story too. Karen Harrington transitioning from a 10-year career in the WNBL to a spot with Carlton in the AFLW. And Karen, heap of love for you off the SMS. Someone says, I used to kick the footy in the backyard with kids when we were young girls. Both Blues fans. I'm glad one of us is living the dream. Doc says, how impressive is Karen? These girls have it all over the guys when interviewed by media. Refreshing to hear the intellect and just straight answers to questions without the standard learnt response. Well, that'll come. How's your media training going, Karen? (laughs) Oh, yeah, she's out the back. Danielle (laughs) out the back there. Uh, Danielle with her beautiful baby, Harry. Isn't he? He's a gorgeous little kid. Um, Daz in Sydney asks, any new young draftees at the Blues we should keep our eyes on? Yeah, they're, they're all pretty impressive, let me tell you. <laughs> I think the young draftees are just so skilled in comparison to perhaps some of the older players who um, you know, haven't had that experience growing up with the ball in their hands since they were eight. So, yeah, keep an eye out for Georgia G. She's very impressive. Sophie Lee come across from Adelaide. Um, Bridie Kennedy, Rennie, oh, all of them. Yeah, yeah, keep an eye out. Quick one I should have asked you earlier too. Uh, the last touch rule coming in for this season. Um, there'll be a lot of, I think, supporters of the men's game too having a look at how it uh, transpires and what impact it has on the game. I guess one area that was criticised a bit was lack of scoring. Do you think that will push scoring levels up? I think so. Um, The pre-season games that have happened so far have been higher scoring than what the average was for the AFL season last year. So whether that's attributed to the last touch out of bounds rule, I don't know. Whether that's, you know, increased skill, um, yeah, probably combination of both. The last touch rule I think is going to achieve what it set out to and that is to speed up the game and encourage teams to go through the corridor a little bit more. I don't think it's going to change too much 